Hello and welcome to this episode of the Magic Story Podcast, where we go behind the scenes with the people who create the worlds and characters of Magic the Gathering. I'm Blake Rasmussen and I'll be your host. Today, we're talking with Allison Lures, community manager, storyteller extraordinaire, and creator of Yeheni. Welcome, Allison. Hi, how's it going? Great, how are you? I'm doing pretty swell. Cool, well... A few weeks back, we we talked to Doug Beyer uh, about all kinds of story things, mm-hmm. and and one of the things that he singled out was was Yeheni, as I mentioned, who he credited you uh, with coming up with basically out of one line and a world guide. T- tell us how you came up with Yeheni. So I'm a person who gets uh, overexcited about things. Uh, that's sort of my primary uh, characteristic as a human mm. being is I tend to get kind of <laughs> excited about things. Uh, so I come from a background of playwriting as well as uh, unscripted theater. So coming up with a character based off of a single suggestion is kind of my bag. That's what I do. Uh, so when I got the story assignment, it was for, I knew it was going to be about an Aetherborn, and I knew that it was going to be about uh, this uh, character named Yeheni. And the only like further explanation from there was that uh, it's supposed to be like a Gatsby party, like 1920s jazz age, like everything's wonderful, let's have a party. And that was literally like the only suggestion that I had. So from there, I took that information that I had and I went back into the world guide to see, okay, so what's this race about? Like, what do I have to work with? Uh, I knew that they were uh, non-binary, so uh, learning to write and use they, them pronouns uh, took a little bit of getting used to, but doing it from like a first person perspective made that a lot easier. And from there, you just kind of, you know, reel off like, okay, this is a race that can't eat. How do they party? Like they can't eat or, you know, do lots of other things that you would normally do with a body. So how do they have fun? Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of spun off from there. So if they are made out of energy, can they perhaps sense the energies of people around them? I think it was uh, Kimberly, actually, who had that suggestion of if they're made out of energy, like, can they sense the energies of others around them? And so that's where the uh, empathic abilities kind of came in. It wasn't inherent in the godbook itself, but... It was something that I thought was really important to a race that was made out of this thing that we can't perceive or feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also kind of helped in making uh, Yeheni specifically uh, kind of a good mono-black character. Uh, mm-hmm. As a community manager, most of what I do is listening to what our fans want, like what they really want to see more of in a story. And one of the big pieces of feedback that we always got is that there weren't really any, like, decent mono-black line characters. Like, there's no one that you'd actually want to, like, go and, like, sit down and, like, I don't know, play a game of, like, Monopoly with and not worry about them, like, eating you later. Sure. Uh, so making sure that whoever Yeheni turned out to be was a like a likable person uh, was really important to me and having them be able to sense uh, the emotions and energies of them around them made that a lot easier in a way okay speaking of uh, black aligned characters devouring you over monopoly yep, where, yep. where did the vampire thing come from uh, the vampire thing was built in. Uh, that was uh, on the mechanic of the card itself. So before I start writing, I looked to uh, the mechanics of the card to kind of inform their character. And uh, Yeheni is an Aetherborn vampire, which is pretty, that's pretty cool. But it's uh, also, it, what, what really stuck out to me is that there aren't really any other sort of vampiric things on the card itself. Like there's no death touch, there's no lifelink. So that to me meant that it's a character that is vampiric, but they don't like it. Like. They don't go out of their way to kill people after mm-hmm. playing Monopoly. 
and so I uh, used that um, as a further proof that hey, I should try and make this like a decent a decent person. You wouldn't try and just murder anyone else. Sure. Um, so uh, obviously the Etherborn have short lives, but did you always know that you would you would be writing Yehenny's death scene that Yehenny would die oh, on camera? Okay. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, no, that would be such a lame promise if we promised <laughs> someone, hey, this person's gonna die, and then you never followed through on that. But I knew that their death would have to be something that they chose. They would mm -hmm. have to come around to the idea of, yes, this is death. This doesn't have to be like a thing I have to do. But for me, a big part of black alignment is knowledge of the self. It's understanding who you are and sticking to that no matter what. Uh, and so Yeheni's journey is one of identity, of coming around to the fact that yes, they have the capability to kill, but they choose not to. And in choosing that, they choose their own death, which in a way is an ownership that I think most Black Line characters would really appreciate. Okay. So what, um, given a lot of characteristics of Yeheni, sure. what, what was it about Yeheni or the Aetherborn that made you connect with, with this particular character? Um, I love writing party animals. I, I, love, <laughs> I love writing uh, people I find fascinating and folks that can go like for days like on nothing but like vapors and like pop music are fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I really wanted to write someone who comes off as selfish and self-absorbed and they are but have a little bit a little bit more depth to them uh and the depth comes in where the, the they aren't going to live for longer than four years uh that to me speaks of someone who has a lot going on with them okay uh what other characters have you worked on uh i wrote for tesa uh for commander 20 15. Uh, she was uh, a side character. The main story was about uh, Karlov, uh, Grandfather Karlov, mm -hmm. who was uh, one of the uh, legendaries in that set. But it was primarily about Tesa and her experience. Um, I also wrote for uh, Gisa and Garolf, which was a lot of fun. Those two are a blast. They're mm -hmm. just so they're just so sweet. <laughs> my sweet little children. Which ones were your favorite? Oh, I love Tesa so much. Uh, Tesa is so smart, so, so, so smart. And what makes her fascinating isn't her power set. Like, mm -hmm. she's a lawyer. Like, she's a lawyer and yeah. people are afraid of her and respect her because of, she, of her intelligence. Uh, I find that dynamic very fascinating in a world that's so dominated by magic and magical abilities that one of the most powerful players isn't really that strong of a mage, but she's just wicked smart. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long, um, so when you're working on these stories, how long do they typically take you? Um, so I can usually crank one out. I usually crank out like a draft or an outline in like a couple of days, but uh, we go through a lot of uh, revisions and notes. So after I finish with an outline, it'll take like a week and a half or two weeks for people to go through it and mark up what needs to be changed. There are usually about uh, two or three passes uh, between a story and the rest of the creative team before it ends up going to be localized and then put up on the website. Okay. And um, you said Tesa was your favorite character, right? But was that also your favorite story? Mm. Uh, oh, I don't know. It's Tesa is definitely like my favorite character I've written for, mm -hmm. tied with Yeheni so far. But writing for Geese and Garolf was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, so that story, uh, Games, was um, a series of letters between the two. Mm -hmm. And uh, challenging long prose uh, is cool. But again, I'm a playwright, so writing like long monologues is my jam. Oh, it's my bread and <laughs> butter. I love it. Uh, and so being able to kind of flex that was really, really fun. Plus, they're both deeply unstable people, which is so just such a blast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so you're also a community manager for Magic. Uh, tell us what that means. Uh, mostly it means that I, it is literally my job to see what our players are talking about and to take that feedback up to the people who can actually make change. So if there's ever a problem in the community or someone's not happy with something or someone's really happy about something, it's my job to take a screen cap uh, or take a letter and deliver it to the person who can decide to either make something happen or change something or do more of something. Uh, my job is very invisible to the community often. Mm -hmm. uh, usually you only see me if something's like really wrong. But for the most part, it is uh, forming uh, personal relationships and making sure that our fans' voices are heard here in the building, whether they know it or not. Okay. So so I guess part of your shtick is, is hearing all a bunch of questions yeah, yeah. about everything, about Magic Story, about the next set, about, about all that stuff. Sure. We're going to focus on Magic Story. You you gave me a list of a bunch of questions I did. Uh, before this. So, these are just these are just random story-related questions uh -huh. that our fans have asked. Um, so I will me, do my best. Okay. All right. We'll we'll see how many of these you can actually answer. Sounds good. Um, some of them are kind of some of them are kind of weird and awesome. Um, <laughs> That's a good combination. Yeah. Um, okay. I like this one because I since I read it, it, it's such an obvious question, and I and I have no idea what the answer oh, is. Oh, fun! So how how does it work when planeswalkers planeswalk mm -hmm. with an object? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously they're all wearing clothes, yes. so you can planeswalk with planes objects. Can planeswalk with clothes? Yes. But but like, what's the largest object a planeswalker could travel with? So. I I like to think that you have to be able to physically carry it. Like you have to be able to like pick it up and hold it for longer than like five seconds. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much time it takes to travel, like mm -hmm. to actually planeswalk, whether it takes like two minutes or like half a day. I have no idea how time works in the blind eternities. But I imagine you have to like be able to hold it to your person, uh, travel through this space that's in between space and time, not drop it uh, and end up on the other side. Again, yeah, they're, everyone's like wearing clothes. Like there's no like super, like obviously naked planeswalker because that would be problematic for like several reasons. But uh, I imagine that you can travel with like a duffel bag or, oh, hey, I picked up this really cool rolling suitcase in Tarkir. Wow, I super need that back at my house. Uh, like I imagine that you can, take things as long as it's like reasonable mm -hmm. I, i'm sure someone out there is going to get down to like the nitty-gritty of like okay but like how much is like, no i have no idea it's magic like can gideon gideon can carry more he's pretty so, beefy yeah, yeah he is uh, but yeah and nissa can like lift a lot she is very strong so i imagine like if you can hold it without falling over maybe okay. like maybe that's that's the limit Okay, and without like dropping it in the blind attorneys, because that right. would be horribly embarrassing. Oh, I bet there's just like a ton of like floating like debris that like <laughs> that's gathered up over the millennia of planeswalkers just like <laughs> dropping stuff accidentally. That's actually what the Eldrazi are made of. The Eldrazi are just other people's garbage. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> that is that is not true. That is not, that's not canon. That's not canon. Uh, I'm, 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 that's absolutely not. Uh, yeah, as a member of Wizards of the Coast, <laughs> I can confirm that's not canon. <laughs> All right, uh, next question. Uh, this one, this one's right up your alley. Mm -hmm. um, how do writers get selected to write for Magic Story? <laughs> um, I begged. Okay. <laughs> uh, I basically uh, kind of like begged and pleaded the right people. <laughs> when when I arrived, um, I uh, was, I mean, I, I played Magic before, but I wasn't like super, super duper deep uh, into, uh, into the lore of everything. So once I got here, I started studying 
up and like reading as much as I could. And uh, as soon as I figured out that there were like actual human beings in here who actually wrote things, uh, me, the playwright who's been writing stuff since I was 12, was like, can, can I please? Can I, can I please do something? And Jenna was like very, very kind and said, "Yeah, uh, write up a uh, write up a, 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 a uh, like a story sample, send it in, and uh, if it's good enough, then yeah, we'll we'll let you uh, test it out on some random product here or there." So I wrote this like four thousand word story. <laughs> I've never told anyone this. I wrote this four thousand word story um, about a. Uh, a witch who specializes in fortunamancy, so luck magic, mm-hmm. uh, who shows up to this uh, vampire's bakery, because vampires are bakers, um, to fix their oven. Clearly. Yeah, well, I mean, vampires, like, they have naturally cold hands, so they wouldn't mess up the yeast. <laughs> They're usually awake at the same time bakers stay up, so it, it was just this, like, really cu- stupidly cute story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I remember finishing it and going, this is the opposite of magic. I don't know <laughs> if anyone's going to like this. But I sent it in, and they said, yeah, sure. You can test it out on one of the uh, commander stories. So that was uh, the first story I wrote was a Taysa Karlov story. Uh, and that's where that came from. Do you know how many people are going to get demanding to read that story after this podcast? I have it. I, I need to like <laughs> upload it to Pastebin or something. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, extraordinarily cute. So if you're okay with uh, a vampire romance that's not like that kind of vampire romance, you'll have a good time. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note... <laughs> Uh, next question. This is, this is just an awkward segue because these questions have nothing to do with each Bring other. Bring it on, do it. Um, back to Planeswalkers. Yep. Is the spark genetic? So mm. what they what they mean by this, they, they further explained. Mm-hmm. If two Planeswalkers had a child together, mm-hmm. would the baby carry the spark or is it purely random? I guess in this scenario, the spark is... Uh, is is a trait that's easily passed on. I, I love this question because the first thing that came to mind was like a baby planeswalking, which mm-hmm. is like really pathetic. Like just like some <laughs> it's like also problematic. poor infant just like kind of rolling over and like accidentally like, I don't know, rolling into like an ocean or something. It, it, it kind of, yeah, that's definitely not what the question was asking. Uh, so uh, to to preface this, uh, I am I am not I am not like an expert, but I am pretty sure that the spark is not genetic. It's just sort of this thing that just sort of like randomly happens, but not in the sense of like genetics randomly happens. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't believe it's an inherent trait. Okay. Yeah. Although um, planeswalking babies is hilarious. Planeswalking babies would be amazing. One Gate day. Watch babies. Like <laughs> Uh, I got great ideas for the future. Uh, <laughs> she writes our stories, everyone. Supplemental product she, that's just like Planeswalker babies. Well, it's been great working here. Yeah, uh, my yeah God. I'll see yeah. you later. <laughs> uh, speak, speaking of the age of Planeswalkers. Hey, nice. Yeah, that's, a, that's close to a good segue. Uh, how old are the main planeswalkers, mm-hmm. so the, the gate watch and, and such. Uh, so uh, I, oh, I wrote this down. It didn't bring it. Uh, so uh, I'll just kind of go in like age ranges. Sure. Uh, Chandra is uh, like early 20s or so. Uh, Jace is uh, mid to late 20s. Uh, Nissa's around 60, uh, but appears to be uh, like in her like mid 20s as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gideon, I believe, is like like mid late 20s uh, they're all kind of in the same range and then there's Liliana who's like over 200 but she looks 29 and I feel like she's spiteful she enough fabulous. she's spiteful enough to like choose to look how she did when she was 29 like mm-hmm. just because she thinks that's hilarious uh, so there's there's that <laughs> uh, next question 
What's the deal with Jace's facial markings? Paint, tattoo? They are tattoos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we do we know yet where he got them, or is that... You know, that's not... I, he doesn't know where he got them. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, How about that? Get it? Do you see what I did there? Did I do. That's a convenient answer, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's stick with the gate watch. Uh-huh. Um, how does Gideon feel towards his home plane in Theros? Probably like super complicated. Like yeah. there's there's a lot going on there. I I imagine that he's sad because of what it could have been uh, versus the reality of what things are, which is a crisis of faith. I think a lot of people can relate to. You know, raising yourself to believe one thing and being confronted with the reality. But uh, the thing about faith is uh, you kind of get to decide. So I imagine that. He feels really complicated towards Theros, but still holds the idea of what it could be in his mind very strongly. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. This question didn't come from a fan. This one came from a brain. Cool. Um, but I hear you guys talk along these lines about it in the community manager pit every once in a while. So we're going to play. We're very talkative people. You, you guys are very talkative people. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> Um, so we're gonna we're gonna play uh, the magic version of this game: uh, kiss, marry, kill, or abandon with the Phyrexians. Yes! Oh my gosh! Yes! Th- those okay. those are your four choices. Ah, uh, I love these four choices. Um, so they don't they don't have to be planeswalkers. Okay. Any any magic character. Oh man! Period. Oh, that's broad. Yeah. Okay. Like the all of them. Do, do you want to limit it to planeswalkers? <laughs> no 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 no. Um. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so my options are uh, kiss, marry, kill, abandon, abandon with the Phyrexians. Okay, yeah. great. Um, okay, so kiss. I'm going to go with Liliana. She has a lot of experience. That's uh, true. Uh, also, yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty cute. I imagine, yeah, very, very kissable. That's uh, probably her. Okay. Uh, Mary. Ooh, okay. No, oh, this is hard if it's, if it's everybody. Um Okay, I'm going to kind of like narrow it down to focusing on planeswalkers just because that's easy. Uh, I feel like being married to Soren would be easy because he's a wall. <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a cop out though. Um, Tamio's like already got someone. Um, let's see. You know, it might be Gideon. It might be Gideon. He's, okay. He seems like he would he would take care of you. He's he just would, a good dude. He would, like, make muffins because he's, like, just really generous. And he, he seems like the kind of guy who would predict what you were going to be angry about and then just, like, go out of his way to make sure that you're okay and then check in and ask if you're okay. Like, that sounds that sounds like a really good foundation for a long-lasting relationship. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kill. 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 <laughs> Kill. <laughs> um, uh, and no, no fair answering someone who's already dead. Oh, damn. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'd probably kill Jace. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd kill Jace. He seems tired, but he's, I mean, he, he I, 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 I don't know if he'd remember me killing him if I killed him anyway, so there's that. Oh, I feel bad. Now everyone who likes Jace is going to be mad that I said we should kill Jace. Eh. I have no control over any of this. This is no. just, yeah, no. Sorry, Jace. <laughs> Well, at least you didn't abandon him with the Phyrexians. Mm-hmm. Um, I think abandoning with the Phyrexians, that will have to go to, uh, you know, I think I'd chisel Soren out of the wall uh, and then abandon the wall to the Phyrexians. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that seems fair. Because, uh, you know, I'm sure that they could just, like, make a really neat, glisteny, uh, oily, really, like, metallic wall out of him. And mm-hmm. that would be a really nice uh, design choice. I would like to see aesthetically what uh, Phyrexian wall Soren looks like. <laughs> 
probably like a really nice like they'd probably turn him into like a vase or something some kind of like nice like household decoration i think they could pull that off probably yeah all right well (laughs) (laughs) on on that note on phyrexian soren wall lovely thank you allison (laughs) uh and thank you to the audience for bearing with us um on this week's episode of the magic story (laughs) podcast uh we'll be back next week with ari levich uh who was the creative lead for ether revolt and one of the members of the kaladesh world building team he'll talk to us about building kaladesh and then about shaking the whole thing up with ether revolt we'll see you then thanks